This is Emergency Medicine Match Advice, sponsored by Academic Life and Emergency Medicine, a podcast series designed to help medical students and residents strategically navigate the process of applying for residency in emergency medicine or to EM-sponsored fellowship programs. I'm your host, Mike Gisani from Stanford University. Let's get started. Welcome to Emergency Medicine Match Advice, sponsored by Academic Life and Emergency Medicine, and its editor-in-chief, the CEO of Tinder for Medical Students, Dr. Michelle Lin from UCSF. Hello, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you. Can I add that to my CV? I'm so going to do it. I'm imagining this episode is going to result in a huge side hustle for us. (laughs) I don't know if hustle is the right word for this, but yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Back with a new episode of Emergency Medicine Match Advice. This one's going to be a a classic right away. How to swipe right this interview season. Today, we have three outstanding program directors here to discuss the key dating rules of the match. Dr. Arlene Chung from Amonides Medical Center. Hello, Dr. Chung. Hi, it's great to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Thanks for coming. Dr. David Snow from my alma mater, Loyola University, Chicago. Dr. Snow. Thank you very much, team. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And the amazing Dr. Robin Naples from Thomas Jefferson University. Hi, Robin. Hi, thanks for having me. I like pina coladas and long walks on the sand. Oh, my God. Here we go. (laughs) Getting us in the mood. Gosh, I'm so excited about this episode. The topic is how to swipe right this interview season. And, you know, for those who know me, I'm at an advanced age in my 40s, and I really had to look up, does one swipe right or swipe left? And I learned you swipe right if it's good. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the key dating terms, modern dating terms that relate to the match. And honestly, I just want all of our students to kind of go into the match with a fun sense of adventure, but follow some good dating rules that will end up being good professionalism rules as you go around the country meeting program directors and current residents on your interview days. So with that intro, we're going to get started. And the amazing Dr. Arlene Chung is obviously up first because she's going to tell us how to swipe right. You know, so I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and we were talking about swiping right, swiping left, and it occurred to us, maybe there should be an option to swipe up. Or swipe down. Oh, Although yeah. that, uh, I know that's like thinking outside of the box. Yeah. So what would that mean? What would swipe up or swipe down? Mean? Swiping up means I guess you bump it up to the world. Oh, okay. maybe you amplify and swipe down. Well, you know, we maybe shouldn't talk about that. Okay. Got it. Got it. All right. <laughs> well, let's talk about swiping right during interview season. So I think there's two aspects of swiping right. First, the swipe right of where should students apply? How would they know which programs to apply to in ARIS? You know, so one of the things that I get asked almost, I feel like by every student that I interview is what makes a successful resident? My response is, is residents who are happy. And I think a lot of that is fit and finding a program that really works for you. For most students, it's actually, you know, you can pin it down into some pretty broad categories. Geography is a really big one. So for most people, where they match plays a big influence in how happy they'll be. For some people, it means being close to family. For some people, it means being far from family, Um, whatever tends to um, entice them to a particular region of the country. So that's one way to take a look at which programs to apply to. Um, Another way to look at it is sort of how big is the program? Are they a brand new program with just six residents a year? Have they been kicking around for a long time and have 25 residents per class? Each of those programs will have different cultures and different vibes. And for some students, one is better than the other for a fit. And then lastly, um, I think the other broad category to maybe consider as far as which programs might be a good fit is just 
what kind of interest do you have? Are you interested in global health? Are you interested in ultrasound? Are you interested in critical care? And maybe take a look at which programs within, say, a specific geographic region uh, really speak to you in that focus. All right. So our students tend to overapply. We we are uh, taping this episode on October 1st. The MSPEs or Dean's Letters were released just this morning. And I have firsthand knowledge that all of the students who listen to our program regularly overapplied. Um, how many programs should they have applied to? How, what is the right number of programs for an average medical student in emergency medicine, in your opinion? Now, I think maybe the key word here when considering the number of programs to apply to is this the word average or basically considering what type of student you are. Certainly, I think the number will vary a little bit depending on how strong your application is. But I would say for the average medical student, consider about 30 programs to apply to as a starting point. Yeah, friends of the show say a number of 30 as a max for average students. So I'm glad that you're of the same advice. Now, so they applied to 30. They're going to get many more interviews uh, perhaps than they need. You know, we say on this show certainly that the sage wisdom is 12 is probably the max that you need to have if you're an average student to be able to match uh, well in emergency medicine. So if they overapply, they get too many interviews, they're going to have to swipe right again to try to pare down their list. So what other program characteristics can help drive the decision to go from perhaps 20 interview offers down to 12? Now, certainly, it's always a happy position to have more interview offers than, uh, than fewer interview offers. So props to you, whoever um, you know is in that lucky position. I think maybe taking a deeper dive into those programs who haven't offered you an interview. There are a couple ways to do this. You can take a look at their websites, their Insta, their Twitter, their profiles. Another good resource to maybe tap to get a sense of the culture might be uh, recent alumni from your medical school who have gone there. And maybe not even just that previous year, but over the last few years, maybe there have been people from your school who have gone on and matched at that program, and they may have some really great insights for you. Another really good resource that almost every medical student will have, of course, is your student advisor who should be able to give you um, any additional insights that may not be immediately obvious when you're doing the research on your own as far as trying to figure out the fit for you. So this, this feels like more of a deep dive process than perhaps swiping left and swiping right really refer to, right? So maybe what you're getting at is that personality matters. Does that, does that mean what you're getting at? I don't know. Yeah. I it's guess. all about finding the right fit, the right? right? Fit. What kind of all people right. do, you, do you jive with? So how about we'll close the section with uh, one other quick piece of advice that you'd like to share for the students who are bravely heading out to interview season? Uh, the one piece of advice I give them all is is really just spend time with the residents. Uh, as many opportunities as you can get to hang out with the residents at that program, I would 100% take them because think about it. These are the people who you're going to be spending the next three or four years with maybe. And do you see yourself uh, hanging out with them and being friends with them and leaning on them for support and vice versa? Um, I think those are really important questions. So whether that is going to a dinner that's before or after the interview day or finding other opportunities to spend time with the residents in that program. I think that's really important. Yeah, it's dinner or movie, right? We're dating. Are you going to live with me for three or four years, right? That's that's the whole <laughs> point of this episode. Three or four uh, years is eternity in New York City, which is where I'm based. <laughs> All right, we're going to leave the very positive swiping right. And we're going to turn to Dr. David Snow for a little bit of the discussion of red flags on interview day. Now we've got to talk about the discerning student who has to swipe left. What does it mean to swipe left, Dr. Snow? So as I've learned through personal experience, I think it's okay to be swiped left on. You, you learn to deal with that. I don't have too much of a complex about that, but 
I think it's completely okay to to swipe left on a program that that shows that you've really done your research and figured out what's important to you and you've you've stayed in touch with some of the visceral feelings, some of the data points that are coming at you. But thinking through the process, I think one of the more overused terms during recruitment season is to trust your gut. And I think it's still one of the better pieces of advice that we can throw out there. But to trust your gut, I think it needs to be a functioning gut. There's a medical terminology there. So you need to be very receptive to the emotions of the day, the data that's coming at you, the stimuli that you're surrounded by. So I think as you start to think about what the red flags might be, essentially you're asking yourself, what are some of the important things that I need to be aware of? And then how do those spin out into into the red flags themselves? So there are three big things that I think any applicant needs to be aware of as they're approaching the interview day. You know, the, the obvious one, do they like the people? Do they feel like they fit in? Do they trust the program director? And by that, I mean, do they think the PD is going to be an advocate for them? Are they going to listen to their voice? Are they going to get the, the job that you want? And then thirdly, do you believe in the mission or the direction as laid out by the chair and the program director? So working through those, I feel like I can make it even simpler when I'm talking to potential EM residents and say, to figure out if you like the people or if you fit in, then you have to make every single attempt possible to go to the pre-interview dinner. And even if it doesn't quite fit with your schedule, even if it means you might show up 30 minutes late, you have to go. It remains one of the best times to get some information about the residents, how they interact together. Are they happy? They're there and they're happy. They truly are happy. The later you go in the interview season, if they seem happy, they're even happier than they seem because they've been doing it for a few months. But bottom line is that I feel like you have to attend the pre-interview event. And then thinking through whether you trust the program director, again, talking to the residents, getting their advice on how they feel like they've influenced the program is is a big deal. But then on the day, just listening to them and and that visceral feeling of whether you, you trust what they're saying. And it usually comes at the beginning of the day. And I feel like it's always that that time where students are they're trying not to to say something that's going to reflect poorly on them, not to spill their coffee or or drop their bagel. But I feel like they really need to take that time to sit back and think about whether they they like that person that's in front of them. And then the same goes for the chair when they talk, if if indeed they do. And then I think as you reflect on on those things, you start to answer those questions about do you like the people? Do you fit? Do you trust the PD? And then do you believe in the the mission or the direction of the program? And if a program checks those three boxes, I think you find a fit for you. And then, you know, flipping it back to the red flags and swiping left. I think if one of those check boxes remains unchecked, that's where you, you need to either dig just a little bit deeper or indeed swipe left. I like that. I mean, I think this really is a, a tongue-in-cheek episode, but the dating analogy holds true, right? You probably are not going to end up with a healthy relationship if you just go and elope. Now, elopement certainly works for some folks, but generally those who date for a while get a better sense of their future uh, partner. So similarly, you know, the more opportunities, the more touch points that you can have in this process, be it the interview dinners or second looks or whatever they are, the more comfortable one might be with their decision. And that decision really is reinforcing your initial first impression. Like you said it so well, Dr. Snow, they come in in the morning and they make an impression of that pre-D within 
30 seconds, right? We do the students as well. That's how interviews work. And you spend the rest of the day or the rest of the interview trying to confirm, was I correct or was I not correct? And that's the point of, of all the dating, if you will, in this process. So what do you do when you get to ranking, right? So you've, you did swipe left on a couple programs during the season. They're just not for you. Do you rank all of the programs on your list or do you really swipe left and, and eliminate them from your potential future? It's a challenging question to answer to, to just apply it across the board. I think mentoring is, is so key for, for students to have that person that has a, a view of the bigger picture that can say whether you're competitive or not or whether you're, you're right in that, that middle point of it. Because I feel like EM has become so competitive that that soap process is becoming harder and harder, even though the numbers might argue just a little bit with that. I know that there were 30 spots this year, there were 10 the year before, but when we think about the number of spots that there are throughout the country, that still means that it's a very competitive uh, specialty to soap into. So keeping that in mind, I feel like when you sit with your mentor and they tell you that you're on that lower end of competitiveness, then you have to make a decision on whether not matching entirely into EM is better or worse than matching at a program that maybe you are thinking about swiping left or indeed swiped left on. And that's a very personal decision that, that I think everyone needs to make. I feel like some of the classic advice that's come from some very sage individuals is that if you don't like a program, then you don't put it on your rank list. And it holds true for a lot of people, but it's a spectrum of where people fall and how competitive that they are. So I would just have some pause for any candidates that maybe, again, find themselves on the less competitive end and just think about, are you comfortable not matching versus staying with that program that maybe didn't check one of those three boxes that I talked about before? I, I would agree, and I would even punctuate your very uh, important piece of advice, which you said, I think, uh, a little more softly. You cannot soap into emergency medicine. That is the, the hard and fast advice. Sure, there'll be one or two under, you're not going to be the one or two. The general student should not get that advice, right? They will not soap in. There's not enough spots. And you should assume that we could go for a zero soap year where we can have zero spots open in the soap. So that could happen again. It's happened twice in the last handful of years. So students should not rely on that. Do you have one other quick piece of advice, some sage advice? You're a very smart gentleman as well. I'd like to hear your sage advice. I think some of the best advice I've heard that I'll just replicate is that if you're at the interview day, you're worthy of an interview spot and just own that time and enjoy that time. And that sounds, I always like think about being on this side of the table to the applicant and try to tell them to enjoy themselves and it, it can come across a certain way. But I think you show up ready to show them why they would be stupid to swipe left on you. Uh, every single one of, of the students has a story to tell. They've jumped through an unbelievable amount of hoops to get where they are. So let the people there just feel the energy and the excitement of why you are there and what you can bring to the table. It's a process for everyone that is still an amazing thing that we get to do. But I feel like it's so enjoyable if you take that approach for every interview day and, and people are going to respond positively to it. All right. Well, I have been looking forward to Dr. Robin Naples and this segment of this episode for months since we thought it up because Dr. Naples is very cool. She knows all of the modern dating terms. And what we're going to do is play a little game. I am going to say a modern dating term, and she is going to tell me how that plays itself out 
in the electronic residency application service and the NRMP, the, the matching process. So you ready, Dr. Naples? Here we go. I am ready. All right. Bring it on. Ghosting. So I think ghosting is probably the most ubiquitous term, at least for those of a certain generation that has not gone through the swipe left, swipe right process. So ghosting is the idea that you get an interview and then you never respond. That interview broker spot or that spot in the ERAS interview process just remains open and you never decline or accept it and you're in this limbo. The other alternative is when the program reaches out to you, whether it be a chief resident or one of the program leadership to say, we're really interested in you and you never respond and they kind of just figure you've lost interest after a while. And I think, uh, you know, I was speaking with my program coordinator who's been doing this for 20 some years. So she had a lot of anecdotes and sage advice herself. But we were talking about some of the things even most recently in which this has happened. And so I'll have a lot of anecdotes and almost like first date personal experiences with this section. But we had a resident who signed up for an interview and didn't show. And we tried repeatedly calling him throughout the interview day and were never able to get through. He could have and been it, dead in a ditch in Philadelphia. He could have been dead in a ditch. He should have called Philly, his mom Philly is very safe. Yes. Yeah. But, but it, it was very unusual. Yeah. And so finally, he got back to us at the very end of the day and said, I'm sorry, I was at a different interview. <laughs> but I'm interested in your program. I'd like to interview with you. And so we scheduled him for another interview. And then he didn't show up the second time either. What? And. So that's I. There's got to be a beyond ghosting. ghosting extreme ghosting. That's yeah, exactly what I was thinking. Extreme ghosting. All right, yes. I'm going to make this a checklist. So yes, I've been ghosted by a student before. All right, yes. ghost busting. What is ghost busting? So ghost busting, I think, is more common that we see, and this is the applicant who just keeps coming at you. So they send you the thank you email, as which is very common, and as a program director, you say yes, it was very nice meeting you. End. Right. And then they almost respond and say, well, thank you for sending me a thank you. And maybe they add a question. And so you say, great, appreciated meeting you. Here's the answer. And you think, you know, good luck in the match. That's how you close it. To say, okay, we're done. And then they respond again and say, thank you so much for your response. And it's that idea that you're trying to terminate what is an appropriate professional conversation, thinking of the typical boundaries of these kind of communications and the applicant just keeps sending email after email after email and yeah. won't let you out. <laughs> yeah, there's for, there's definitely a, a line that could be crossed with being over familiar in general, but but certainly doing so in, in the conversation that never ends by email. So, uh, yes, I've been ghost busted by a student as well. <laughs> All right. So check one, check two. I've got like 150 of these terms, by the way. So you just throw your feet up on the desk. Let's let's get ready. Uh, catch and release. So catch and release is that idea where the applicant is aggressively emailing you about how your program is so fantastic and they haven't heard from you and when are they going to hear from you. And then once you send them the interview date or you release an interview option for them, you never hear from them again. So they're very aggressive at the beginning. And then once you show them that, sure, absolutely, we would love to meet you and interview you, they never come back. Though the one group of people who I think get some latitude in this that I don't consider this catch and release in this specific group is the couples matching person where they might really be trying to get into your area. And I see this a lot. Philadelphia is very dense in residency programs. And so you'll get an email saying, I'm couples matching. I'm really trying to get in this area. I'm couples matching. I'm really trying to get in this area. 
And then their spouse never ends up getting any interviews. And then they're like, oh, nope, never mind. Sorry. So that group, I will somewhat give a little bit of flexibility. Or So the couples match group is the group that I think has legitimacy to this aggressive approach and then maybe having to pull out and say, I'm sorry, it turns out that I can't. But it's that communication of, I was really interested. Now, because of extenuating circumstances, I can't participate in this interview or it's no longer financially feasible for me, as opposed to just never communicating again. So, Dr. Naples, this is a family program and it's a dating episode. The dating the couple, I mean, we're going to, we're going to, we're not going <laughs> to go into that bank of questions, though I have some words. This is a family program. All right, let's keep going. Breadcrumbing. What is breadcrumbing? So breadcrumbing is my favorite. And I had mentioned that I am in Philadelphia. So there are a lot of programs in a pretty dense area. And so the program directors, we all know each other pretty well. And so breadcrumbing is the idea that the applicant contacts multiple programs saying, you're my number one, or my favorite is you're in my top three. Well, I know now I'm not your top one because you would have said that you're being coy to put a dating term in there. So the applicant really should understand that a programs talk. And so if you send everybody in an area, you're my number one, chances are we're going to know that you're doing that because we compare notes. But also there's some disingenuity when you are constantly telling everybody you're my top, you're my top, but we're not. And so that leading along programs is not the best. And also EM is a small world. So I remember the names of people who sent me the you're my number one program and they were in rank to match position and they went somewhere else. I know for 100 percent certainty that I was not their number one. And those names stick with you. And applicants should recognize that while EM is a very gracious and welcoming community, it's also a small one. Chances are you'll see people again. Yeah, I mean, I have this mental image that all the program directors sit at the same cafeteria table. And <laughs> if you in invite them all out for a date, they're going to compare notes. I, I see where you're going with that for sure. So I 100% have been breadcrumbed, apparently. But have I been kitten fished? What is kitten fishing? So I feel pretty confident that you've been kitten fished. So kitten fishing <laughs> is the idea that you just stretch the tooth a little bit. The real dating equivalent is when you go on a first date and she tells you she's a doctor, but really she's just pre-med. So she's going to be in the medical field, but she's exaggerated a little bit. Kitten fishing is that idea of the applicant says how they did this amazing research. And then you ask them about the process and they can't really say because maybe they weren't as, as involved as they think. I also tend to see this a lot in the personal statement where residents will, it seems, conflate their involvement in the care of a critically ill patient or delivering bad news, where they paint this picture that they are working in isolation in the emergency department, resuscitating this critically ill trauma, and they themselves put their hands inside to do cardiac massage and no one else was around. And we all know that it's very rare for a medical student to be completely alone leading a resuscitation in most emergency departments, I would say with confidence in the United States. So to see those things written or to hear those stories during the interview day always makes me question how much validity there is to their involvement or certainly that they are kitten fishing me. I don't know that I could keep going because if I've been kitten fished, breadcrumbed, caught and released, is that right, Michelle? Ghost busting, ghost busted, ghosted. 
Uh, I think we're done. I think we're done with the list of questions. That's enough. All right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is not going to be our side hustle. Um, <laughs> any other quick piece of advice you'd like to share this interview season, Dr. Naples? So similar to how you, in my belief, on a first date probably shouldn't reveal too much of yourself, I think while I completely agree with Dr. Snow that you should be authentic, you don't want to reveal actual body parts. And so this gets to a final thing sure. that does not actually fall under the terminology that we have. But we have had residents who've exposed tattoos, who've you know shown this or that scar. It's probably best, just like on a first date, not to show all your eggs. Similarly, on the interview day, probably similar. Oh my gosh, this is the best episode we've ever taped, Michelle. All right. I've been on mute and giggling the whole time. The whole time. time. I know. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right, Michelle, I'm going to turn it over to you because I know this episode has created a lot of questions, probably more questions than answers. Yeah. If we were to quote the fine senator from Florida. Well, yeah, you know, I'm I'm listening to all of these great responses, and I think students in general, if you've picked up on different episodes, I think in a way we have covered a lot of these issues about ghosting and catch and release and how not to upset a program director. But I'm more interested in the idea of how do you swipe right or left on a program coming from an applicant? Because I think programs can very easily hide, you know, the crazy Uncle Kevin in the corner. You know, they don't show him on interview day. They can hide a lot of things to look like the perfect program. And I think many students have this problem of, gosh, I want to swipe right on all of these. How do I get at least one program so that I can just swipe left, get, get it off my list? And I'm wondering if any of you with your maybe mentor hats on have any advice, any sage advice on how students can identify such potential pathology or mismatches in personality. So uh, one piece of sage advice that I have for our students with regards to this process of how to swipe right or swipe left might be, I mean, this applies just as much in online dating as it does in the match process, and that's check your references, right? The more dirt that you can dig up about a person, or in this case, a program, can help you. And so try not to rely just on a single source. Like, Sure, the website can be really helpful with regards to their block schedule, but they're probably not going to show that crazy Uncle Sam front and center on their website. So the more different ways that you can go in and find stuff out about the program, again, any alumni from your medical school who may have gone there, maybe some residents who you've met out and about, whether that's at ASEP or SAM or any of the other EM conferences, or even your advisor or other program directors who you may have gotten to know over the course of your medical school training, all of these people and places and resources can help you um, essentially do your own Google search about this person or in this case, this program. That's awesome. I love that idea. And I think if you do a 360 deep dive in each of these programs, I think some of the dirt comes out. But what I do recommend uh, to a lot of my advisees is because you have applied to so many programs, it's hard to keep track of all these and your gut feelings. And so that you don't form like a a gut ilius in a way. I mean, keeping a journal, I think would be great about some of the transactions or the experiences, the interactions, I mean, with your interview day, I think would be extremely helpful as you get down to rank day in February, I believe, and trying to help you decide which goes above which. Yeah, I go back to uh, a great piece of advice that we got on an episode uh, many years ago from then program director, Dr. Selter at Cincinnati. He said, you know, the program where you walk outside and call your loved one and you say, this is the one, like that's the one, right? That's your swipe right moment. 
And uh, I've gone on to make that the go take a selfie when you walk outside. Like take a little selfie. You're smiling. You're really smiling. You're not really that much happy. You're not smiling. You're kind of frowning. Or you take a little video of yourself talking about it. And, you know, a couple months later, you can look at yourself in the mirror, so to speak, and you'll know which one is the one for you. So uh, I, I like that. I love that. All right. Well, the dating episode is over. Let's get on to my favorite part of the program, and that's the Tell Me Something I Don't Know About Your Program commercial. Yes. And this is going to be a fun episode to hear some things about three really great programs. So, Dr. Arlene Chong, tell me something I don't know about Maimonides Medical Center in New York. Well, so Maimonides, and for those students listening, I will not be offended if you come up with about a dozen creative ways to pronounce the place. But Maimonides is a, we're a three-year community-based program in the heart of Brooklyn, New York. And generally speaking, we pride ourselves on delivering a robust pre-hospital experience, a critical care experience, an ultrasound experience. But the fun fact that I have to share with you, Mike, is that for the last two years, our residents have been the only emergency medicine residents who have gone on to help staff the medical team at Burning Man, uh, oh. that crazy annual event that happens out in the desert. And the res- my residents have come back for the last two years, and they tell me it's a highly educational experience, that they learn a lot, and that we should definitely continue doing it. Because Burning Man is so amazing. I think this panel, the five of us, should go staff Burning Man sometime. We obviously know what we're doing in the dating episode here. Students, check out Maimonides. The amazing Dr. Arlene Chung has uh, taken over the mantle just a couple of years ago, but has made some really great changes to that place and took an already wonderful program and advanced it forward and obviously is finding some amazing opportunities for her residents to do some out-of-hospital training. So students, check out Maimonides. Next up is Dr. David Snow from Loyola University, Chicago Stritch School of Medicine, I may or may not have said my alma mater, so this is going to be a tough one. Tell me something I don't know about Loyola. So we are a newer residency program. We welcomed in our first class just about three months ago. We're welcoming them into a really well-established GME environment, which probably is is one of the differences with us as a newer residency program. I think we, we have almost essentially every other field and genre of medicine and, and residency and fellowships. We've got an outstanding faculty group. Our class is off to a great start. A sick patient population, really a quaternary care population in what is a truly untapped EM residency environment. So it's it's one of those rare environments that I don't think there's going to be many left in the country. So if you want to be part of the foundation of a residency, the legacy, then uh, I, I look forward to hearing from you. You just have to, to figure out whether kitten fishing you or, or not, which is a new term for me. I learned so much today, so I appreciate it. Oh this. my gosh. You know, Dr. Snow, I, I feel really bad that all the Jesuit deans who are listening to this episode and your your EM match advice premieres is on the kitten fishing and breadcrumbing episode. But so is the the luck of the draw. And uh, you know, luck of the draw, I think you are doing an amazing job there. I'm really Proud of my alma mater to have finally embraced emergency medicine residency and couldn't be happier that you're at the helm. I, I remember fondly my time there as a student. It's in the western suburbs of Chicago, and I saw some index cases I've never seen again in my, my medical career. So a wonderful place to learn and train. Students, check out the brand new Loyola program. And we're going to close with, oh my gosh, Dr. Naples, that was the best interview I've ever done. So thank you for being such a good sport and tell me something I don't know about the amazing Jefferson Medical College. 
So uh, something that you probably won't find on any of our websites is that with the unfortunate closure of Hahnemann Hospital, which was a mile away from Jefferson Center City Campus, we went from a 39-resident program seeing 65,000 patients a year to a 51-resident program seeing 85,000 patients per year. So we have not updated any of our websites to really <laughs> reflect how quickly our dynamic and our program has been able to morph into something to serve the community and the learners and residents in our area. So that's probably the thing that's probably going to be hardest to find out about us. A fun fact is that one of our design faculty named Dr. Bon Koo is a member of a TNT show called Chasing the Cure. So we truly have Hollywood stars and are a who's who of emergency medicine and TNT evening programming at Thomas Jefferson. Oh my gosh, you're, you're name dropping Dr. Koo and you can name drop and name <laughs> drop because my gosh, your faculty is so amazing with such national stars, yourself included, Dimitri and Anna Marie and Risa and just so many wonderful friends at Jefferson. And I'm really excited to come and visit you guys in a couple of weeks as well, where I'm going to learn a whole lot more. But no wonder you haven't updated your website. You have no time with all of those. Yes, uh, it has been a, an amazing time in Philadelphia right now. Well, congratulations for filling in, in in an area where I feel really badly that the Hahnemann residents had to move to another program. And, and I think that's a wonderful acknowledgement of how gracious your program is. Uh, we probably don't need to say much more. So, Michelle, thanks for having us for this crazy episode. Deans at Loyola, please forgive Dr. Snow. And with that, I'll wish all the students a happy dating season as they head off on the interview trail. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Emergency Medicine Match Advice. You can view any of our episodes for free on Alium's YouTube channel, or if you prefer, listen to the episodes as Alium Podcasts on SoundCloud. Also, check out summaries of our episodes as blog posts on Alium.com and in the publication A User's Guide to the Alium EM Match Advice Series in the June 2017 issue of the Western Journal of Emergency Medicine. We love to hear from our listeners. Post your questions or comments for any of our episodes on Alium.com. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us.